Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Neighbors say, you look good today. You look good today. I'm glad I get to sit next to you. Come on, look at the person next to you. I heard this one time. I liked it. Hey, uh, look at the person that was your second choice. And tell them, you look like you could use a little church today. (laughs) Hey, I want to welcome all of you that are here in person. And those of you that are watching online, we're excited that you are tuned in today. Uh, for part three of a series that we're going through on the book of Ephesians. And before we get into that, I want to make mention of just a few things to uh, give you some announcements really quickly. This coming Saturday, October the 16th at 8 a.m. right here at the church, we're going to have our men's breakfast. So if you are a man and you want to be a part of that, come on, it's great fellowship, great food, uh, an awesome word. And so we want you to be here right here at this building at 8 a.m. this coming Saturday. It's going to be awesome. Uh, This coming Wednesday night is Fields of Faith. If you've never been a part of Fields of Faith, I would encourage you, everybody, 100% participation, let's come out. It's an opportunity for us to gather together with other churches in our community and uh, hear the Word of God, worship together. It's going to be at the Civic Center, but it'll be outside in the parking lot, and so uh, there'll be an area that'll be roped off, and you'll, you'll definitely know where you are when you get there. So it's a great time every single year that we've been a part of this as a church. And so I would encourage you this coming Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, uh, be at the Civic Center and let's, um, let's worship God together and uh, be in community with other believers in our community. Amen. Uh, we are almost all the way. We had someone that uh, they brought us a great fundraising idea. And so uh, we, have, we have almost raised every bit of the funds, thanks to you guys, uh, to be able to get all of these students to be able to go on this retreat that's coming up in November. Uh, somebody had brought up this idea. I thought it was a great idea that I plan to take advantage of myself. And once you know what it is, you'll know why. But this is going to be a parent's night out. And so, come on, how, where are my parents at? Come on, how many of you parents are thinking, woo, parents night out. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, on October the 22nd, it's a Friday evening from 6 to 9 right here at the church. You can bring your kids and uh, this is going to be as a fundraising opportunity for our iClub and iStudents ministries and this retreat. And so go online and register so that we can be prepared. This is going to be from 6 to 9, and it will include dinner for your kids. And so you don't have to feed your kids before you come. Uh, you can bring your kids here. It is, it is $20 for the first child, and then every sibling after that is only $10 extra. So if you have three kids, it will be $40. You can register online. Uh, all of those proceeds are going to, uh, to help those students be able to get on this retreat. We're almost there, and we believe it's going to be a great opportunity not only to, uh, to help them be able to go on the retreat, but also for all the parents to have a date night. Come on, somebody say amen right there. Come on, all you men, look at your women right now. Come on, look at your wife and say, I'm planning it. I'm planning it. I'm planning it. <laughs> Some of you are like, I don't know, because uh, I don't know if I'm planning it. Um, here in two weeks, uh, we, we set aside, if you've been a part of our church for a while, you know that we have what we call Made New Weekend, where we celebrate with everyone who is following the Lord in water baptism. 
So here in two weeks, we're going to have another opportunity to celebrate with those. We've already had some people register online. The only reason we ask you to register is because we want to have uh, all of our towels and, and T-shirts. You get a T-shirt for being a part uh, for water baptism, all those things. We just want to be prepared for you. And so if you can just go on the app or go online, register to be baptized. And I would encourage you, there's something, there's something so powerful about water baptism. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see that here in just a moment in the message a little bit, that it's part of what Jesus even commanded us to do. And we believe that we need to follow after him and his example and be water baptized once we've believed. And so we encourage you to do that. Go online, go on the app, sign up so that we can know and be prepared for you uh, coming up on October the 24th. And then the last thing before we get into the message, I know it's a lot, but one more thing, is our annual fall festival is coming up. We do this uh, usually the first weekend in November. And so this year it's going to be on Sunday evening, November the 7th. And uh, it's going to be an opportunity. We have uh, the McLaughlins. Many of you know them. If you don't, you'll get to know them. But they have an incredible uh, place and, and opportunity for us to gather there for uh, all kinds of food and fellowship and, and, and uh, fire. Come on, somebody. All the things you enjoy in the fall. Hay rides, you know, inflatables, all the things for the kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so from 4 to 7, uh, we're going to gather there. And in the weeks to come, we'll get you some directions that you can pick up and an address that we'll be able to put on the screen and all that so you'll know where to go. But we'll go ahead and mark your calendar. Be there. It's a great time every single year when we get together as a church family and uh, just have fun together. So all of that uh, is coming up. A lot of great things coming up uh, in the near future as we head into the fall and head into holiday season. We're going to be talking about that a little bit more in the weeks to come. But uh, today I want to continue a series that we've been in on the book of Ephesians and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 today, but before we get into that, I want to catch us up to speed uh, with where we've been. And I also want to remind you, uh, if it, hopefully you've been reading through the book of Ephesians as we challenge you to do every single week. You can read Monday through Saturday, one chapter every day, and you'll read through it in the entire week. And then come talk about it and listen on Sundays and, and uh, do that every single week for six weeks and see what God would do through his word as he speaks to you and you get into his word intentionally. So hopefully you've been doing that, but here's the great news. If you haven't been doing that, it's never too late. Come on, somebody. You can jump in right now for the next three weeks, and you can be in God's word with us and, uh, and allow the Lord to speak things to you. There may be things that he speaks to you or things that jump out to you that we may not even talk about here on a Sunday because he wants to speak that to you. And so you need to be in God's word, and we're encouraging you to do that. And so it's just one chapter every day that we're uh, really pushing you and challenging you to do. But uh, in Ephesians 1, just kind of recapping some of the statements, some of the things that we've learned so far. In Ephesians 1, we learned that God has given us everything that we need as believers. Come on, are you thankful for that? You have everything that you need as a follower of Jesus. God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit to show us that we are His as believers, we know that God wants our eyes to be open so that we can see who we are and what we have in Him, right? We talked about the eyes of our heart that Paul prayed. I just want the eyes of your heart to be opened up so that you can see these things, and that God wants us to know that Jesus has all the authority and that we are made complete only in Him. So we don't need to be searching for our completeness everywhere else. We're only made complete in the one who has all authority and who died and gave His life for you and me. Amen. And then last week in Ephesians 2, come on, Amanda, she brought an incredible message. And uh, I, I love just two of my new favorite words, but God. But God. Is anybody thankful that when you think about where you could have been had it not been for a but God moment in your life where God came through or somebody shared the truth with you or the gospel with you and, and it just changed the trajectory of your life. It changed you from the inside out. 
But we, we discovered that we were dead, but we were made alive through Christ, through Jesus and what he did when he died for us. We saw that we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works, right? We're not saved by our works, but we're saved so that there are some things that God has already prepared for us to do. And he wants us to begin to do those things and, and grow in those abilities and what he's already prepared for us once we give our life to him. Uh, we see that we have a new identity. We know that he tore down the wall that caused division, right, between Jews and Gentiles. But also in your heart, if you have a wall that's built up or things going on in you, I believe that God wants to tear those things down and, uh, and wants to bring unity and wants to bring us together. And we discovered that although we aren't the same, God desires that we be unified, pressing on toward the same goal. And so we've kind of been pulling some things out of Ephesians each chapter each week and today we're going to do the same as we jump into Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, I have four major ideas, if you want to call them that, that I want to bring out as we go through Ephesians chapter 3. And so here's the first one if you're taking notes. Uh, I, I just called it God's mysterious plan. Anybody ever felt like God has a mysterious plan? <laughs> you're living your life and you're like, God has a mysterious plan. I don't know. Sometimes you don't completely understand what God's plan is. But I want to talk about this for just a few moments. And so we're going to start in verse number 1 of Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Now I want to pause here for just a moment. Because Paul is leading up to a prayer that he's going to pray for the believers. But he, he, he almost takes a pause here for, for like 12 verses and he starts to talk about some things that we're going to talk about before we get into his prayer. And the first thing that I find interesting is that Paul refers to himself as a prisoner. Which means he's, he's, he's imprisoned. And he's imprisoned for preaching the gospel. But here's the reality. Paul is imprisoned for preaching the gospel, but just not for preaching the gospel. How many of you know that Paul is not in prison just because they didn't like his accent or they didn't like the way that he spoke or anything like that. He's in prison for preaching the gospel because the gospel was working. And they didn't like that the gospel was working. And so it's not necessarily that Paul is just in prison because he's saying some things. It's because they're seeing these things that he is saying affecting people's lives. And people are being changed, and it's bringing people together. And so Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel, but ultimately it's because of the effects of him preaching the gospel. And I don't know if you've noticed or not how true it is that, uh, that what God has done for you will have an effect on your life and the people's lives around you. When you begin to share what God has done in your life, it has a way of affecting other people's lives around you. When you begin to share the truth of God's word with people, it has a way of affecting other people's lives around you. So Paul's imprisoned for preaching the gospel, but it's because the gospel works. How many of you know today the gospel still works, right? He's in prison because it's working on people's lives. Uh, he was preaching, it was bringing people together. This gospel that he was preaching, it was bringing people together that according to culture didn't belong together. There was almost like, you know, and it's kind of this way today, but when you, when you picture it and you read through this, there's this, uh, and you get the context, there's this separation. There's an intentional separation. Like, you are, this, you are this culture, and I am this culture, and we don't talk. You have this background, and I have this background, and we don't hang out together. 
And Paul has brought this gospel to these people, and it's bringing people together from different backgrounds because of what Jesus has done. And so it's bringing people together that culture says they don't belong together. And that's what it does in our lives today. It brings us together. This is what I love about our church. Come on. This is, this is why we do what we do. It's people with all different backgrounds saying, you know what? We're just about one name, the name of Jesus, and we're here to praise and worship him and celebrate him no matter what our background is. And let's see what God's word says. Amen? The gospel still works today, and it will change people's lives today. Hopefully it's changing your life today. And here's, here's what I believe. I think that the gospel has the potential to bring political parties together. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know, Pastor. Woo, have you watched the news? I don't know. I think, I think that the gospel has the potential and the power to bring political parties together. It has the potential and the power to bring races and nationalities together. The potential and the power to bring different classes of people together. Right, where we want to separate people and create some vision almost, like, well, you belong here and you belong here. The gospel brings us all together under one cause, under one name, Jesus Christ. Amen? So the reason that Paul's imprisoned for preaching the gospel wasn't only because they didn't like it, but it was because it was doing things in and through people that they didn't want to happen. And so through verse 1, Paul's leading into this prayer that he's going to pray, and like I said, he breaks for about 12 verses to share about God's mysterious plan and his role in this mysterious plan. Are you with me? And so he's leading into a prayer, but he pauses and he says, hey, I need to tell you about God's plan, and I need to tell you about what my role is in communicating God's plan. And so in verse 2, he goes on, he says, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And so Paul tells us that God has revealed his plan to him and that he's about to share the plan. God has shown me what the plan has always been, and now he's about to tell us what the plan is. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on one of these. Anybody ever been on a guided tour? Something, whether you were in a boat, you were in a cave, you were, you were in the jungle. I mean, like, you were somewhere, and there, come on, how many of you know that when you're in situations like that, aren't you thankful for a guide? I was thinking back uh, different scenarios that I've been in in different situations where you're on this tour. I can remember being when I was growing up as a kid and our, we would stay a week or two in the summer with our grandparents. and They would take us, you know, to these caves and we would get in this little vehicle and drive through the caves. And there was a guide that would tell you what to look for and this and that. And this last year, literally about one month before um, all of the COVID stuff hit, uh, we were blessed with the opportunity for the first time to be able to take our kids to Disney World. And so we took them, and man, we had a great time. How many of you know that if you've ever been or if you ever plan on going, not a whole lot of sleeping goes on while you're there, okay? There's just a lot to do. And so one of the things that we did, one of the rides that we rode that we wanted to ride was they actually came out with a movie here recently about it. It was called The Jungle Cruise. And so we're at Disney World, and we get on this Jungle Cruise, and it's dark outside, right? It's like after the fireworks show, and we're over there, and they're about to close, and we're like, hey, let's go ride one more ride, and we get on this ride. And we get into this boat, 
And the only way you even know what's going on is because you have a guide. Otherwise, you would just be sitting on this boat, floating on the water. (laughs) Well, this is cool. This is exciting. Right? How many of you know that person that works there, they have a plan? They have a plan to try to scare you. They have a plan to enlighten you on some things. They have a plan to show you certain things that you're going to want to see. And Paul, in essence, is saying, God has revealed this plan to me, and now I need to share the plan with you. Before I get into my prayer, before I get into what I want to pray over you, God has shown me something that I need to share with you. And so here's the plan. He tells us the plan in Ephesians 3 and verse 6. He says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Somebody needs to say amen right there. God always had a plan. And it was to bring people together. The people that as you read through the Old Testament were his chosen people. And the people that, as you read in the New Testament, are considered to be the outsiders. And Paul has been sent to bring them in. To bring them. Let me reveal the plan to you. Both sides are coming together. And everyone who believes in Jesus is all coming together as a part of the same family and the same body of Christ. And this was shocking to them and is shocking maybe to you. I don't know. But it was shocking to them. Uh, that they were going to be together as one body to share in the inheritance as God's children and the promise of his blessings. This is good news for you. Because you were once an outsider. And because of what Jesus did and because of this gospel that Paul is preaching, you were brought in. You were brought in on this thing. And I was thinking about just some examples, and one of the examples that I thought of was the example of adoption. And maybe you, you we're all pretty familiar with the idea of adoption. Maybe you have adopted, maybe you have been adopted in your life. And it's this picture in my mind that I have my own biological kids. I have the kids that I have. But I'm also communicating to these people over here. Maybe there's a couple of kids over here that don't have parents and are not in a great situation. And I say, you know what my plan is? My plan is to adopt you and bring you over here with everybody else so that we can all be in the same family. And now you get to have a part in everything that they have always had a part in. Now you get all the blessings, you get all the promises, you get all of the things, all of the inheritance, and we're all coming together as one body, as one family, together. And Paul says, nobody has known this. God has not revealed this in past generations, but he told me what the plan is, and I want to share the plan with you because it's a really, really good plan. And God has already accomplished the plan. Amanda talked uh, about this a little bit last week as well when she mentioned uh, the verse from Ephesians 2 that tells us that God tore down the wall of hostility between Jews and Gentiles, right? He, he tore it down and said, hey, we're coming together as one, one body, one body of Christ. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but I'm telling you, I believe that if we'll allow it, the gospel can bring people together together. 
It has the power to bring political parties together and races together and nationalities together and different classes together and different colors together and you fill in the blank. The gospel can accomplish it all if we'll allow it to, if we'll share it. The reason Paul was in prison was because it was working. He was in prison because it was working and it will still work. It will still work every single time and so we see that God had this plan and Paul shared with us what the plan was and then here's the second thing that I want to bring out today it's that God's calling is a privilege God's calling is a privilege in fact let's just all say this together come on can we just all say this together say God's calling is a privilege come on say it with some conviction in your voice come on God's calling is a privilege Paul in these 12 verses before he gets into this prayer, he says, here's the plan, and here is my role in the plan, and he says something in verse 7, and I want to go ahead and read verses 7 through 12 all together. He says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. See, Paul's calling was to reach the outsiders with the love of Jesus and bring them in. He says, this is what God has called me to do. This is what God has sent me and commissioned me to do. He says that God has called him to explain this plan and that this plan was already carried out by what Jesus did for us. And we've talked about it before, but I believe that we, have a, we have all have one calling and one purpose but at the same time, individual giftings and purposes that we use in the process. So if we look at Matthew 28, the Great Commission, verses 18 through 20, let's look at that together. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you and be sure of this i am with you always even to the end of the age we all have this listen to me this is not the pastor's job this is not the elder's job this is not the deacon's job this is everybody's job this is what we're all called to do I'm included in that, the elders are included in that, deacons are included in that, you are included in that. We are all included in what Jesus said, hey, I am commissioning you before I go back to heaven. This is what I want you to do. And it basically, we can say it in the simplest terms that this is a calling and purpose for every single one of us as followers of Jesus to make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey his commands. Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey his commands. Why are you so passionate about people being water baptized? Because Jesus said, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. 
There has got to be something significant and important in water baptism. And Jesus said, you need to go make disciples, you need to baptize them, and you need to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. That's why it's so important. There's something that happens. There's something that happens in your heart. And so I am asking you, if you have never been water baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be water baptized. It is such an important thing for you to do. And so we know that the Great Commission is something that we all have in common. We're all going toward the same goal. But we've also talked about this, how God gives us grace and gifts uh, individually for us to accomplish His specific calling and purpose on our lives. If you remember on our anniversary Sunday, we talked about the example of how God has given us different abilities to do things well and how we're to celebrate and work together as we're all running in the same direction with what it is that God has given us to do. So we're all making disciples and seeing people baptized and teaching people to obey Jesus' commands. But within that, God has gifted you and you and you and you and you in different ways so that you can use those gifts well in the process. So that you can use what he's gifted you to do to see that come to pass. And I love the way that, that Romans chapter 12 puts it. And this is not an exhaustive list. But it's, it's a great picture of what it, we're talking about here. Romans chapter 12 starting in verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. And look at this. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. So not only do we have one race that we are all running that Jesus himself said, this is what I need you to do. This is what you are called to do. But within that, everybody has a different gift and a different talent, different ability that has been given to you through the Holy Spirit so that in that process, you can use your gift and your talent, whether it be serving, whether it be hospitality, whether it be prophesying, whether it be building up, whatever it is. Come on, it's not an exhaustive list. And you can see other places in the Bible where there are gifts that are mentioned but that you would use your gift in the process to build up each other, to serve each other well, to love other people well. You have something specific that God wants you to do. You are somewhere specific in your job. Come on, you're not there by accident. You're there because God has something for you to do. You don't live where you live by accident. It's because God has something there for you to do. You're not in the family that you're in by accident. It's because God has something there for you to do. And he has gifted you and given you the ability to do it. And so we've got to tap into what is it that God has gifted me to do. That's one of the things that we want to help you with. They went through it today in next steps. And step number two is taking a spiritual gifts assessment. Like, hey, how has God wired me? What are the things that are in me that I may not even know are in me? 
that God wants me to begin to use to serve other people. It's important. Paul saw what God had called him to do as a privilege. He said, this is a privilege. Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you see what God has called you to do as a privilege or a burden? If you were to stop and think for a moment, do you see, do you feel like, do you interpret what God has called you to do as a privilege and an opportunity to serve him or a burden? We could even say it this way, or an inconvenience. Is what God has called you to do an inconvenience to how you want to live your life? Because Paul says, this is a, it's a privilege. Paul's in prison. He's in prison saying it's a privilege to be able to share the good news. It's a privilege for me to be here and to be able to preach to these people and be able to write these letters and do all these things because this is what God has called me to do. And no matter how difficult it is, what God has called me to do, it's always a privilege. The next verse, verse 13, it says, So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you so you should feel honored. And I put this one alone by itself because there was something I wanted to point out that the Lord asked me when I read this verse that I want to ask you. Paul says, don't, don't lose heart because of my trials here. He says, I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Let me ask you this question. Would you be able to say to someone or a group of people that they don't need to lose heart because of what you're going through even though you're going through what you're going through because you're trying to help them. Paul says, I'm suffering for you. I'm doing this to help you. So don't lose heart because of what you hear is going on here. I'm doing this for you. You should feel honored because I am suffering for you. We could ask it in this way. Are you willing to endure suffering for the benefit of others? Paul was. He said, you know what? If my call, if the calling on my life includes suffering for the benefit of other people that need to hear the gospel, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Can you say the same thing? Am I willing to endure suffering and hardship and trial and persecution because my calling involves helping other people? I think it's important. Paul says to these believers, he says, you should feel honored and not lose heart because I am suffering for you. And then Paul gets into the prayer that he's been leading up to since verse 1. He kind of paused for 12 verses and said, this is what God, this is what his plan is, this is my role in it, this is why it's so important. And then in verse 14 he says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Now I want to pause here. Because the first thing that I notice in this is Paul says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. The first thing that I notice is that God has unlimited, glorious resources. <laughs> if some of us could just get a hold of that. That God has glorious, unlimited resources. Resources And Paul says, I pray that from his, not if he has, but that he has, and from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength, not outer strength, inner strength through his spirit. And I was, I was uh, looking this up and studying a little bit on this verse in particular because it just jumped out to me. And 
it's not necessarily talking about a physical strength, but it's a strength on the inside. How many of you know you, you, can, you can be strong on the outside and not strong on the inside? Or you can be strong on the inside and not appear strong on the outside. But inner strength is the most important thing. And Paul is praying, he says, listen, God is able. God has the unlimited resources to empower you on the inside, give you inner strength. And so these two words that I want to point out uh, and I want us to take notice of in verse 16, the first one is a Greek word that we translate as empower in this translation. And it's the word, maybe you've heard this, it's dunamis, which means miraculous power or ability. Miraculous power or ability. So he's saying, I pray that God and his unlimited resources, that he's going to give you miraculous power and ability. Miraculous power and ability. And then the second word is the word that we translate as strength. And it's a word that means to prevail by God's dominating strength. He says, here's what I want to give you. I want to give you miraculous power and ability so that you can prevail by God's dominating strength. It's a strength that I'm going to give you on the inside. We could say it this way, uh, if we just added all these words in, by his unlimited resources, God is going to give you miraculous power and ability on the inside so that you can prevail by his dominating strength through the Holy Spirit. It's his dominating strength, and it's his miraculous power and ability, and he wants to give it to you and put it inside of you so that you are strong on the inside so that you can prevail in all things. No matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what you have to endure, no matter what suffering, no matter what happens in your life, that you have an inner strength that only comes from God. Come on, somebody needs to say amen right there. Here's the third thing that I want you to notice. We need to water the root and not the fruit. Ephesians 3.17 then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I like the first half of this verse, and we'll kind of break it apart here for just a moment. The first half of this verse isn't just a picture of Jesus being present. It says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. This is not like Jesus is just showing up as this uninvited guest <laughs> to try to make it. Come on, you ever had that person, you know, that show up at your house and and they're like, you're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I like you, but here you are. You know, it's like, this is a picture, listen to me. If you study this, this, this is a picture that means, it, it means to settle down and feel completely at home. It means that Jesus is going to settle down and feel completely at home in your heart as you trust him. How many of you ever had the friend that you've gone to their house and you were able to settle down and felt completely at home? I mean, you walked into their house, and it was like, I just feel like I'm in my own house here. I don't know what it is. Come on, that's a good friend. You walk in, and it's like, man, I just feel like I am completely at home in this house, and this is not even my house. I'm just, I'm just settled here. I'm at home here. I'm at rest here. Can I ask you a question? Does Jesus feel that way about your heart? Because this says that Christ will make his home in your hearts, and this phrasing means that he's going to settle down and feel completely at home in your heart. Does Jesus feel completely at home in your heart? Does he feel completely at home living inside of you? Just something to think about. The second half of verse 17, it makes me think of this, if we have this picture. 
It's this picture of a tree. Come on in that a beautiful tree. We're at the time of year where trees are starting to turn colors and they're going to be losing their leaves. And right now the, the weather's like back and forth. Come on, somebody, one day it's 75 degrees and tomorrow it's going to be 91. Come on, I don't know. You wake up in the morning, it's 56 in the morning, and it's 88 by the end of the day. You know, it's like you're in a hoodie in the morning and in shorts by the afternoon. But this is like, think about like in the, in, in summertime and just all the leaves are on the tree and the tree is strong and the tree is beautiful and you walk outside, it's a sunny day and you see this tree and I love, I, I love me a good tree. Come on, somebody. Like a full-grown, tall, shade-providing tree. Anybody with me? We, had, we, had, we were blessed uh, to be able to move. There was a, a home that became available. We moved out into the country just a little bit outside of town, and we have trees all over the place, and I love it. I love to walk outside and just see all of the trees, all of the trees around. But here's what I know about a great tree. The secret to a great tree is in the roots. If you see somebody that you think is like a supernatural Christian, you know what I'm talking about? You see those people and you're like, why can't I be like that? The secret is in the root system. And some of us are too busy trying to water our fruit. <laughs> we got that one apple just hanging out there and we're like, I need some more. I need some more apples. <laughs> and we're trying to water the fruit and we're not focused on the root. And the only way that you can produce the fruit in your life that God wants you to produce in your life is if you have your roots down in Him. You ever tried to dig up a tree that's been there for a while and the roots have like dug into the ground? I was thinking about, I was thinking about this and so I looked up some things and, and uh, I found this interesting that the roots of these trees, they dig into the ground to find the nutrients and find the water and find life. The roots go into the ground and they are finding the water, finding the nutrients, pulling it out. The roots wrap themselves around rocks so that they can be firmly established to be able to withstand storms. I found this interesting that in the drought, the roots will dig deep to find water. When everything seems dry and there's no rain, they will dig down to find the water, find the nutrients, find the way to survive. Come on, the secret is in the root system. And if you've ever tried to dig one of these trees up, you've ever cut a tree down, tried to find the roots, right? You're like hitting the root and you think you've got it. And we had even small trees. We had a small tree that we were removing and I chopped the root off and I grabbed that thing and I started pulling it and I'm like, 15 feet away from where the tree like used to be trying to get to the end of this root because the root was firmly established in the ground and how they'll even wrap like they'll wrap themselves around rocks like almost as like a security thing and a firmness thing and it's like even if a storm comes i'm not going to be blown over because i have dug down deep listen i am encouraging you you've got to dig deep You've got to stop focusing on watering the fruit and trying to produce the fruit and dig your roots deep. You've got to get in God's word. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to spend time talking to God. You've got to spend time being around other believers. You've got to get in a group. Come on, somebody. You've got to, you've got to be intentional so that your roots go down deep and you find the nutrients and you find the water. 
And you find life and you wrap around the rock so that you are firmly planted and the storm cannot blow you over. The secret is in the roots. Listen, start watering your roots. Don't worry so much about the fruit and start watering your roots and the fruit will come. Focus on the root system. God wants us rooted and established in his love. And I began asking myself this question that I want to ask you, is the fruit of your life love? And if you want the fruit of your life to be love, you have to water the roots. Dig down deep. Abide in Jesus. Come on, John 15, Jesus reminds us, he says, he is the vine and we are the branches. We've got to be connected to him. We've got to let our roots grow down deep. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19, the next two verses. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I like these two verses and the one that comes after that we're going to get to in just a moment. But in these two verses, I separated these out because this is talking about more than just knowing and understanding. Because we read this in the English and may you have the power to understand. And we think, may you have the power to comprehend. May you have the power to get it. May you have the power. And, and if you study uh, this, this phrasing, it actually means to lay hold of and make your own. This means to wrap your brain around it and grab hold of something that is so great to really fully understand. This is something that can only truly be un- known and understood by experience. And anybody ever... Anybody ever used the phrase or heard the phrase, some things are caught, not taught? This is a perfect picture of this verse. Because if you study the word for understood or understand in the Greek, this word can also be translated as caught or catch. And Paul is saying, I pray that you have the power to catch it. Not understand it. He's already said, like, it's, you can't fully understand it. It has to be caught and experienced. And until you've caught it and you've experienced it, you don't really know it. And Paul is saying, I pray that that you will catch it. That there will be something that happens that God will become so real to you that, that you will see him so at work in your life that you will experience and you will catch how much he loves you. It will be caught. Listen, I could stand up here all day long and try to explain away and teach you how much God loves you. you got to catch it. Until you catch it, it doesn't become reality to you. It's meant to be caught and experienced. Caught and experienced. I pray that you would experience or catch how wide and how long and how high and how deep God's love is for you. I'll go ahead and bring the worship team back. The last thing that I want to talk about for just a moment is this, that God is working through us. God is working through us. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Come on, anybody like some Ephesians 3, 20? Come on, we... 
Ephesians 3.20 on our phone wallpaper. Ephesians 3.20 on our bathroom mirror. Ephesians 3.20 underneath the light switch on the wall. Ephesians 3.20 in our car while we're driving down the road. But here's what most of us forget. God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask, think, or imagine. And we're like, yes! Send it, Lord! God, you are able to do more than I could ever ask or think or imagine or dream up, but we leave out one part of the verse. According to his power working in you. God wants to do more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's at work in you. You've got to allow his power to work in you. I like to think about it this way, that God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine for somebody else in your life through his power working in you. This isn't about us waiting for God to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, or dream up. He says, I've I've put my power in you. And according to my power at work in you. In other words, according to how much you're going to allow my power to work in you, I am able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, think, imagine, or dream. God is able. It's not about God being able. It's about us allowing his power to work in us so that he can do the immeasurably more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Amen? God is able. He has all the power. He's put the power in you. you just got to allow it to work in your life. Will you stand to your feet today? Come on, I hope this is helpful. As we go through... Ephesians, and I'm excited about the next three weeks, and we kind of get into some some practical application and some instruction. And when we talk about it in week one, that it's about who we are and what we're meant for and how to live it out. And we're about to get into the how to live it out. Right now, God has been trying to establish who you are. Listen, you have it. You have the power. You're a follower of Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. God is working through you. So what do we know from Ephesians chapter 3 before we pray today? We we know that God has always had a plan. And that plan is to bring people together into his family. God has always had a plan. One of the verses we read said it's eternal plan. It has always been there. God, God has never said, oh no. God has never thought, what do we do now? God has always had a plan. He's always had a plan, and his plan is to bring people together in his family. God's calling on our lives corporately and individually is a privilege. It's a privilege to serve him. Come on, you need to walk out of here today thinking, man, it is a privilege to serve God. It is a privilege to walk out this calling. It is a privilege to go make disciples and see people baptized and teach them to obey. It's a privilege to pray for people. It's a privilege to use my gifts to serve other people well. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. We know that God will give us miraculous power and ability on the inside so we can prevail by his dominating strength through the Holy Spirit. 
He wants to give us inner strength. We know that it's important that we dig deep into Him. That we focus on the roots. That we dig our roots down into Him. And we know that God desires for us to catch and experience His love for us so He through our lives. Amen. God is so good. And His Word is so good. I'm telling you, if you don't know who you are in Christ, you need to, you need to get in His Word. Because He makes it so abundantly clear. What you have, what He has given you, what He has provided for you, what you have access to as a follower of Jesus, and who you are. Listen, don't walk around wondering who you are. Find out who you are. Find out who you are. This week, go back and read it. I had somebody tell me uh, a couple of weeks ago, or no, last week, said that uh, they were reading through the entire book of Ephesians every day. Instead of just one chapter each day for six days and then coming here, they said, man, I've just been reading it the whole thing every single day. And I can, can you imagine what God can do in you when you open yourself up and you open up his word and you begin to see, man, this is who I am. This is what I'm meant for. This is how I live it out. This is what he's called me to do. This is, the, this is the gift that he's put inside of me so that I can use it to serve other people. Listen, you'll never be more fulfilled in your life than when you're using what God has given you to serve other people well. It's just awesome. So I want to pray for us, and I'll go ahead and invite the prayer team down, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come for prayer. And as, as every single week we say this, that it doesn't have to be anything that we've talked about today, but you just have a need in your life. And you say, you know what? I just need somebody to agree with me. I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to stand with me. I'm going through a difficult time right now. Then I would encourage you when the worship team begins to sing this song that you would just slip out of your seat and that you would come down and you would allow somebody down here at the front to pray with you. So Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for loving us. God, we believe that you are enough. You are all we need. God, we thank you for reminding us who we are in you and what we were meant for. Lord, we look forward to finding out how do we live it out? What, what have you called us to do? And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, even those that are watching online. And if there's anybody here in this room today who needs prayer for anything in their life, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw them for prayer today. In Jesus' name.